Hello and welcome back to the Dicebreaker podcast. This is episode 38, Lolies, throwing over to you, our on-the-team number person. Matt, I'm so glad you asked. It's like we lined this up almost perfectly, because 38, the bingo call, is Christmas cake. What? Ah. So close to Christmas. It's a week until Christmas. Uh, it'll be less than a week when the podcast goes out, actually. Or no, it's exactly it's a week. It's exactly one week. Look at that. Exactly one week from Christmas. And, then, and there won't be a podcast on Christmas Day, I don't think. So this is like perfection. Christ- mm. 38 Christmas cake. Mm. This was the plan all along. Yeah, oh yeah, no, the yeah. Podcast. Back in March or whenever it was, we were like, okay, we need exactly 38 <laughs> weeks to the week before Christmas. Yeah, I just, <laughs> I, my mind is blown. Mm. That's, but, that's yeah. pretty good. That, that feels like one of those um, holistic things. Mm. Where everything just comes together. I think yeah. I will sleep well tonight. <laughs> oh, thank Knowing that we did, we did, we did the, we did the thing. Yeah, that's it. We've we've accomplished it. Time yeah, to write off it. 2020. Yeah, finally. can we? We can probably just end the podcast yeah. here, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Thanks for listening. Um, <laughs> I've been Not just the podcast. This is pack up the icebreaker. Okay. Yeah, we, we can't top it. We cannot top it. Uh, well, the heights. one way or another, we'll 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 struggle on. Uh, even in the knowledge that it's all a downhill slope from here. Uh... I mean, from here? Oh my goodness. <laughs> well, from the from the lining up of the numbers. This um, is true. Of course, we're here to chat about board games and tabletop RPGs. Well, thank you for being here, Alex Lowlies, who we just threw over t- for numbers and not to introduce yourself. So, Thank, thank you so much for having me. <laughs> How are you a doing? week before Christmas. It's good times. I'm feeling good. Got my Christmas lights on, if you were watching the podcast. Yeah, very festive Notice. background. Yeah, Thank you. that's the kind of quality you get when you watch the video version, yeah. rather than yeah. just the description over the pod. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, but I also I think you know listening to a podcast is good times. I mean that's the whole reason of that's the whole point of a podcast, right? Uh, so thanks to all of you who are listening with your ear holes, <laughs> not with your eye holes. <laughs> if you are listening to your, with your eye holes, please tell us what that's like. <laughs> Unpleasant. Very, yeah, it, gets, very it gets in the bloodstream curious. quicker that way. You just put the pod straight in your eyes. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Alex, me in. Hi. <laughs> Thanks I for being here. A, How you doing? I don't have a Christmasy background uh, because I don't really have many decorations. Uh, I guess I can sing a Christmassy song to to help us feel festive. Do it. Yeah, you okay. can't line that up and then not follow through on it. Yeah. Okay, sure. Uh, Christmas time. It's Christmas time. Christmas, Christmas, Christmas time. There you go. Okay. Oh, you, we, we should, or, I mean, let's, while we're at it, let's do the song that we were all singing this time last year. Are you hanging <laughs> it on up your stockings <laughs> on the wall? Are you hanging up your stockings on the wall? God, Are you hanging it's taken me a year to get that out of my head and now it's immediately straight back in. Oh. Are you hanging up your stockings on the wall? You you can guess how the rest of it yeah. goes, right? Yeah. Listeners. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Are you hanging up <laughs> your stockings? It is the tradition. As is tradition. Mm-hmm. Uh, we take a Christmas song and you just sing the same line mm. over and over again, but mm. to the tune of the song. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, 
Yeah, I do remember us doing that incredibly loudly at the <laughs> Christmas do last year. Yeah. Oh. Uh, yeah. Good times. Mm. <laughs> I'm so sad now. <laughs> well, we I'm sure we can do it over a video call with a lovely amount of lag to just offset it. Yeah, people yeah. will love just... listening to that. Yeah. For sure. Uh, and of course, I'm Matt Jarvis. I'm also here. But <laughs> You're festive! I, you're am a festive I? person, yeah. Am I? Yeah, you're wearing reindeer ears. I don't know if that's I'll, just I'll, offensive. I'll work them in, I'll work them in. I mean, it looks, my wall is mostly kind of white behind me, so we can pretend it's a nice field of snow or something. Yeah. Exactly. Is it not more of a, um, oh, what's that colour that everyone had a few years ago? Uh, magi- no, not Magnolia. Magnolia, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's kind of like your baseline we're yeah. just going to paint everything this slightly off-white. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, anyway, now that we've spoken about <laughs> literal paint on my walls, uh, should we get into talking about board games and all that? I suppose, I suppose. so. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm just, um, I'm, I guess I'm trying to talk about wall colours rather than board games because I haven't been playing much. <laughs> <laughs> well, by the time people listen to this, we will have played quite a few board games because we're planning to do a, a festive party stream. <gasps> So yeah. if you'd like to see us playing a load of board games that we can't chat about right now because we've not played them yet, that's the that's the place to go. Yeah. Uh, by this time, we would have played them so that you can think about it then. Hmm. I think I will have enjoyed them. <laughs> that's, yeah, my, but... that's my take on the games I'm yet to play. I think I lost them all, but I came close to winning in one of them and that <laughs> really annoyed me. Mm. I reckon I probably said something stupid at some point. <laughs> That's a guarantee. Well, there you go. There we go. All right, Lolis, what have you been playing as you teed it up? I've been playing Love Letter. (laughs) It will come. (laughs) I'm shocked. Honestly, flabbergasted right now. I don't know what to do. (laughs) That's all I've been playing for weeks now. I haven't even playing Star Realms. Star Realms has just taken a backseat. Love Letter is all I play. And um, I'm still losing mostly, but I'm having fun playing the premium edition on Board Game Arena. Um, Are yeah, you in love I mean, with Love Letter, Loli? I have always been in love. Actually, that's, that's a lie. I'll tell you how me and Love Letter started. Oh, wow. Um, we started off not on good terms. Mm. Uh, my friend Michael, um, who actually is... Yeah, he's the person who got me into like modern board games. Um showed me love letter and we played it two player which already is like not a great way to play Mm. love letter to be honest um but also we played the factory edition which i have played anyway and i didn't like it right didn't like it and then i moved to paris and i played love letter there and i loved it ah the city of love yeah. The city oh, yeah, of love letter, really yeah. yeah. But I played like the normal uh, Tempest edition. I say normal. I played the Tempest edition as well, I should say. Um, and I really liked it. And then I was like, to Michael, I was like, I really like this game. And he was like, what? Um, but yeah, and then I've, I've played the Factory edition since then. And I think I've just realized that I'm just not into the Factory edition for some reason. I don't know. If, I think it's like the art. Um, it might also are the characters slightly different? Do they work slightly different? I don't really remember. I think there um, are f- fewer characters in that edition. I can't remember. There, there are so many versions of Love Letter now. Some <laughs> of them have slightly more cards. Some of them have slightly fewer. Yeah, I I don't remember what the differences are if there are any. Um, but was, I just, it, was it lacking heaving bosoms? 
Yeah, probably. I I know for a fact that I don't really like the artwork of the factory one, so that might have been one of the things. Um, I have a feeling that some of the characters might be slightly different, but I'm really not 100% sure. But yeah, so ever since then, though, I've loved Love Letter. It's just one of my faves. Um, I never mention it in my in my faves because I'm not sure if it's even in my like top three. But it's one of those games I always come back to and I can play over and over again. But it's also like premium edition specific now. I think like <laughs> OG Love Letter, take it or leave it. Premium edition five to eight players is where the sweet oh, spot for me is because it's got it's just got the extra characters that make it just chef's kiss oh. for me. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I think. It- I'm kind of with you in that I think it occupies that weird spot where it's like, like you say, it's never going to be something where I'm like, yeah, that's one of my favorite games, but it is something that I've probably played as much as any other game or maybe even more than any other game because it's so quick. Mm, It just becomes like one of those things that you play in between other things or to fill five minutes or just becomes a constant. I just just love it. I think it's like the premium edition is a bit longer as well. So you're probably like a game will take you... I don't know, depends, maybe 45 minutes, maybe even a bit longer. Um, but I just, it doesn't really feel like that because it's quick rounds and all that. Um, but it's just because you've got more players who are trying to get the affection tokens that it's going to take longer. Um, hmm. Unless you've got somebody who just comes in and clears up <laughs> in four minutes, <laughs> which does happen. Have you ever played the sequel, Lolis, that I can't remember the name of now? But there's like a, a spiritual successor the ones I was talking about on previous podcasts. Maybe it's... The, there's like a, a, a version before and a version after. Mm. Yeah, saying. maybe I'm thinking of like the spiritual successor rather than like the straight up sequel because I didn't think I'd heard of that. But I can't oh. remember the name of it now, but it's kind of like it's built around a similar premise of you don't have a lot of cards, but it's a different game. But now I can't remember what it's called. So this is a If you can tell me what useful it's called, tangent. I might be able to tell <laughs> uh, Is that all you've been playing, Lenny's? That is literally it. I've not. Um, I'm looking around, hoping that I have played something else, but I really don't think I have. Love letter is it? All right, uh, Alex, me and what have you been uh, playing recently? Hi. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, we've been playing as usual. Root, haven't we, Matt? Yes. Yeah, I'm happy to talk about Root this week. Yeah, you are happy. Uh, and why is that, Matt? <laughs> because I won. <laughs> You can judge the the kind of out uh, the outcome of the game based on how much I want to talk about Root. So yeah, yeah, last week I lost as the Alliance, and this week I won as the Alliance. Mm, um, nice. In a, to be fair, it was a very lucky turn of events because I scored about twelve points in a turn, and went. Is from... this like a weekly thing? You guys get together and play Root at the moment. Yeah, it has yeah. been recently. Every Monday at five twenty-six. <laughs> yeah, on the dot. Yeah. Exactly. Like, if you've missed it, that's it. You're out. <laughs> Slam the virtual door shut. It's a very exclusive club. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, I, of you know, I didn't win again, which is fine. Like, sort of coming to terms of this. Mm. Uh, Sounds yeah. Fun. Well, throughout the whole game, somebody was complaining uh, a lot about how they felt like they were being ganged up on. Oh, I can't do anything. Oh, you're destroying all my stuff. And then Matt? look what happened. Oh, yeah, they I'm win. being slandered here. <laughs> yeah. 
just I like was I, telling her how it was. <laughs> the alliance now in that group has such a bad reputation that everyone mm. stomps on the alliance in the first five uh, rounds. And yeah, you literally proved why it has a bad reputation. <laughs> because it comes back out of nowhere and then just wins the game. And, yeah. my, you know, myself, I was chugging along as the vagabond, just trying to make a day's honest, you know, of honest work. And... I slowly get my victory points, you know, closer and closer to 30, two away, and somebody comes in and sweeps the victory. Honestly, I'm not bitter, but... It doesn't sound that way. <laughs> I feel like, you know, I might have been robbed, um, but it's fine. I had fun. Uh, the Vagabond's really fun. I like the Vagabond. I, I was enjoying my position as a neutral party for a little bit until I... I mean, it wasn't an accident. It was fully intended. Uh, I, I destroyed one of the other factions, the cats stuff, and then they were basically sworn against me for the rest of the game. Uh, but I do like the opportunist sort of nature of the faction. So, yeah, we played that. Uh, I played some Pandemic Legacy Season 1. Um, yeah, we've had the game for coming up to a year now. And we were playing it religiously for a while every week. And then we sort of kind of dropped off. Uh, and it's just taken us a while to get back on playing it again. Uh, and so I said to my flatmate, okay, we need to come on, let's let's get through this. Because we have Gloomhaven, Jaws of the Lion also on the pile. <laughs> so I said, okay, we need to finish Pandemic Legacy first before we can play Gloomhaven. That's the agreement. Uh, so we've reached the the last month we did was June. Uh, so we're halfway through, over halfway through, roughly. <laughs> uh, and we just keep winning. I, I feel like I feel like we we're cheating somehow because we we've only lost a single month. And my friends are like, I don't know how this is possible because we lost at least a few times. I don't know. I just feel like we've got the strats down. You know, like. Every month is kind of different with the objectives you need to complete. So you can kind of go, okay, let's, I'll focus on this and maybe you can focus on this and that's how we can get it done. But I'm convinced that we're doing it mostly right because we're very close, like, to losing when we win. So, like, squeaky bum time is happening <laughs> right until we manage to do it. We're usually like a few turns away from running out of cards, for example. Like mm. um, outbreaks aren't so much of a problem, but that's a specific thing to do with the game that I can't talk about because it would be spoilers. Right. Matt probably knows what I'm talking about. Um, yeah. yeah. Matt's definitely paying attention. Matt's definitely yeah. No, paying I think attention. yeah, you're right. <laughs> his, isn't it? his face was like. It's those games are interesting in that like the the thing you start off doing in the the early rounds becomes less of a focus later on mm. as it yeah. kind of evolves out of that. Like the possible ways you can lose veer away from other parts as you go through the game because because of the way it evolves. But um we're really enjoying it. We like we're liking the challenge and the fact that because we've won so much we don't have any funded cards anymore like we've got none <laughs> so we're just going through all the games without them uh and we're still doing it so we'll have to wait and see um 
And I also played some point salad. Hey! Yeah, but a ver- Oh, yeah, you sent us that picture. <laughs> I just remembered. Yeah, it was a version mm. of point salad that wasn't correct. Um, <laughs> depending on how many players you have in the game, you're supposed to deal out... Not, not deal out, but you're supposed to have a certain amount of cards in the game. So we only had two players, which usually means you get six of each vegetable. Yeah. Uh, I forgot that when setting it up. So we were playing with the entire 90 cards. <laughs> <laughs> so I sent the group a picture of the, the table, which was at that point absolutely covered in yeah. point cards and vegetable cards. Uh, and I think in the end, uh, our scores were around like the 200, 300 mark. <laughs> Don't play oh, the game like worst. that. It doesn't no. work. <laughs> So we replayed it again properly, and I was like, oh, this is great. So, yeah. What was, do you remember your scores for the actual game? Yeah, I won with like 50 something, and my flatmate got 20 something. They didn't do too well because I think they just. That's the great thing about playing Point Salad properly is the fact that you have a limited amount of cards at your disposal. So once you commit to certain point cards, You've got to hope that other cards come up that work with that, otherwise you're kind of screwed. So jo- Johnny and I played it for the channel earlier this year, actually, and I was actually I rewatched the video recently. I don't know why, but I just did, and um, um, it was very emotional. But anyway, um, he I think he scored something like fifty something, hmm. maybe sixty, and I got like ninety something. Um, that was oh, that's spoilers if you haven't seen it. <laughs> a a relatively old video <laughs> yeah yeah it's I'm sure like back in march yeah i'm sure people Something. will forgive you i don't know how you managed to get that many points but um i guess oh, yeah just... i had one i think there was one point card alone that was giving me like over 30 points um wow. just based on that card yeah i yeah. think if you get some really good combos going then you can yeah definitely clear up but um mm. yeah so that's what i have been playing Matt Jarvis. Wait, before we move to Matt, I've just remembered. I'm a liar. I've been playing other things. <gasps> oh. Uh, things for the channel, actually, that I should totally shout out. First of all, Wheels, Johnny, and I played Pandemic's uh, Legacy Season Zero. Oh. You talking mm-hmm. about Pandemic reminded me of that. Um, uh, which was great. We just did a spoiler-free um, kind of demo version that's on TTS. Uh, and that was good. But you were saying that you have, you've not really been like... Um, losing and spoilers uh <laughs> we didn't lose um but yeah we were all kind of saying oh, it seems quite easy but obviously it's, it's supposed to be a demo version so it's it's um i guess that's probably why um, yeah it's quite I mean, easy to win the, the, it plays I'll, so differently obviously yeah, i've not on. played season zero so matt has so you can probably speak better of its difficulty curve but like in season one the game deliberately adjusts to how well you're doing so it makes things easier or harder depending on how much you're losing so you know obviously if you played more of season zero i imagine that it might get harder because you would have less access to resources maybe things like that yeah yeah, season zero is interesting because it i think season two is much more difficult than season one but season one we still lost a couple of months season zero does an interesting thing that it adds like a halfway mark so it's not success or failure, but you can if you complete, I think, at least one objective, you still get 
a kind of like adequate great so it's a pass but it's not a complete success mm. so they add that in as a level because in the previous games you have to do all the objectives or it's classed yeah. as a failure right so and that can have different effects um as you move between months which i think is a really good addition and it makes it feel a little bit kind of smoother in terms of you can win 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 then lose or not do all of the objectives but it doesn't feel as harsh as just failing everything in the last turn despite having done all of the objectives but one or something like that mm. so i think season zero does a really good job of that i do think it's a on the whole it's l- not as hard as the previous two games um but it that's kind of not the focus it's like the focus is the different objectives you do pick to complete because each can branch off in different ways it's a good game yeah. Yeah, for anyone um, who hasn't watched that video of us doing a Let's Play, you should go watch it, even just for Wheels' very funny butcher impression at the beginning of the video, which I... Butcher from the boys. Um, oh, I was confused clear. because when you said butcher, I was like, is he like a generic... Is there an impression for a generic butcher? Like, meat here. No, get your meat he, he's here. Like, he was like doing this like accent where... like. He didn't know whether he was English or Australian, and it was really funny because <laughs> it's something that's always really annoyed me about the boys, like Butcher and the boys, is that I'm always like, is he supposed to be from England? Because he sounds Australian, but then he also sounds like he could be from like East London. So I, 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 I always found that really, and I thought it was just me, but yeah, the fact that Wheels was like, I'm gonna be Butcher, and then he did this like really stupid accent, well, but it was really spot on. Um, I'm intrigued. Funny. That's a good video. Yeah, it's at, it's at the beginning, so you don't even have to watch the whole playthrough. I mean, please you watch should. the whole playthrough. Yeah. <laughs> please do. Because I... <laughs> I imagine there's plenty of other funny things said in the video. Probably. I, I mean, yeah. it, I mean, he's featuring three very funny people, so I, I'm sure... What can I say? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Matt! Um, and there's also... Uh, I also played... Me- or we played Mechanica... Um, which is a really sweet game where you like kind of run a factory of um, these kind of vac- ro- robot vacuum cleaners. Um, and it's like a really sweet theme. Um, it's really colorful as well. Like the art is lovely. But um, it's one of those games where it's kind of, I think, I, I guess you would call it an engine building game because you're kind of building up your engine. Um, but I obviously, it was our first time playing. So we had to place these tiles in our factory and I didn't know necessarily how tiles work together, seeing as my first game. And so right at the beginning, I made, I like placed a tile that was really stupidly placed and really like messed up the game for me. So I was kind of like, we played for I think over an hour and I was, I was kind of just like quietly seething about like how annoying it was, you know, because I, I just couldn't really fix it or like it wasn't an easy fix and I was just getting mad and I was just like, I... I'll be honest, I was waiting for the game to end. Because, um, you know, when you, like, make a mistake and you can't fix yeah. it, so you're just kind of like, I'm not going to win this. And it came around to my turn towards the end. We we knew we were coming close to the end. And it was my turn. And the way that the game ends is for all the tiles in this, like, little round thing to, to be gone. Um, and then the game, like, instantly finishes. Like, it doesn't... You don't finish the round. Like, it just instantly finishes. And it was my turn and I just made a bunch of money. I made the exact right amount to buy the last four tiles and end the game. And so I was sat there like, if I do that, first of all, it ends the game, which is kind of what I wanted. Secondly, it messes with Johnny and some of the other people because they had stuff they wanted to sell and like they had a lot of their money kind of like invested in things. 
So I was like, kind of like, hmm, should I do it? Should I not? And I did. Spoiler, if you don't want to hear what happens, don't listen. But um, <laughs> I ended up winning the game. <laughs> because I think it was mostly because the tiles all scored points. And I had so many of them that I had ended up getting lots of points. Oh, wow. Uh, it was close. Like, I didn't win it, like, by a landslide. But... um. Yeah, it was like, all of a sudden I went from being like really grumpy and like, oh, this <laughs> game sucks, to being like, oh my god, I won. <laughs> the classic situation. Yeah. Classic and learning. I won in the best way as well, by being an absolute boob. So, oh! You know. Well, you mm. managed to turn around your factory full of rumbas. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like, yeah. so that was a sponsored playthrough, but it sounds like, well, I think at least Wills and Johnny were quite won over by it. I haven't played it myself. Yeah, Johnny wants to get a copy for himself. Um, Wheels has the copy that was sent, so he's happy with that. Because <laughs> uh, Johnny was like, um, did you want to hold on to that or could I have it? And he, Wheels was like, no, I really like the game. I'm going to hold on to it. <laughs> oh, wow. So Johnny was like, okay, I guess I'll buy my own copy. <laughs> mm, I'd like to give it a go. It seems seems really neat. Were you playing, because you were playing on tabletop sim is we were right? playing there is a free copy is it free public? version okay. available on tts and it's actually very uh satisfying because there's like this as if there's like this round thing what do you, i don't know what you call it i'm gonna call it a conveyor belt um and you press a button and it just like turns Ooh. um and like in real life you're playing inside the board you get the board and there's like one of those rotate things that you rotate like manually but in the game you can press a button which is very satisfying i'd like to play it again actually um obviously like i messed up the first time around and still won i'd like to see how i would fare if i actually did it properly knowing how to play now Mm. i feel like that's games like that are always they say you kind of need that first one to just wrap your head around what you're doing and you get to the end and go no if i'd known that like 10 turns ago i would have done something yeah because also like we had um Mary, who was, I think she's one of the, was she the, one of the creators of the game? Yeah, and, developers, um, think, yeah. Developers, yeah, and she was great, but um, she was teaching it really well. Like, she was teaching it the way I would teach it, um, that she would kind of, like, feed us bits as we're going along. But that sometimes meant that, like, we were two rounds in and then would find out something. So I was like, oh, okay, like, if I'd known that, I might have done something different on my last turn. But obviously, it's that's just a learning curve, mm. and I, I think that was the best way to teach it because it might have been information overload otherwise. Nice. All right. If that's if that's now all you've been playing. That's now <laughs> it, I promise. <laughs> now uh, that's all she's been playing. <laughs> <laughs> Top hits of tabletop gaming. Uh, I have been not playing a lot, so I'm glad that you were both able to talk more eloquently than me. Uh, I played a bit of Root. I won. Uh, if you didn't catch that. Um, oh yeah, don't worry, just rub it in, it's fine. <laughs> uh, we played a bit of D&D yesterday, not Dungeon Breaker related, but we played on Roll20 with Alex, yeah. me and DMing through Curse of Strahd, a very abbreviated version of Curse of Strahd. Yeah. Um, which was really good fun. Yeah, I'm um, glad you enjoyed it. Spooks. Yeah, that should be live, I think, by the time people hear this. So you can go check mm-hmm. out uh, Johnny Wills and I uh, being the kind of, the most bumbling vampire hunters in the land. Um <laughs> Yeah, it's sponsored by Roll20, so we use yeah. Roll20. Uh, we were just kind of showing off some, some of that stuff, which yeah. I haven't used Roll20 a bunch, but, you know, it's... I think we're all we're all theatre of the mind players. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of one of those things where, like, we don't measure a lot of stuff. But I thought some of the, the lighting and stuff was neat, um, the dynamic lighting. The lighting is really cool, yeah. yeah. I've played I've played a couple of games like that, and that I do think that's probably one of my favourite features. 
Because mm. you just don't get that IRL. Yeah. Mm. Unless like <laughs> you're <laughs> setting somehow up. like lights. <laughs> I don't know. But yeah. that is quite cool. Um, I I liked how easy it was to navigate the the book itself. Like, cause it just splits it up into essentially an index that you can just scroll through. And then if you want to open something up, it opens up in a separate window, which is great. And also you can just place tokens on the board straight from from the book itself, which is also really easy. Mm. Um, so yeah, rather than scrolling or moving pages through a physical mm. book like some old person. Yeah, yeah as I was saying, I think that's a it's a premium module, isn't it? So you pay for it on yeah. top of because Roll Twenty, get... I think, is free to to some degree the basic stuff. But yeah, you you have to get Curse of Strahd separately. Um, and also the dynamic lighting is part of the premium subscription oh. for Roll20. You uh, don't get that for free. That. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and I'd never I'd never played Curse of Strahd before because I've not played a lot of D&D outside of Dungeon Breaker or mm. the kind of custom stuff. Um, I've never really played any of the official modules. So it was, it was interesting seeing that because it was one of the ones yeah. that intrigues me more. I mean, like, obviously, disclaimer, my <laughs> yeah. version of Curse of Strahd is going to be significantly different from anyone else's. Because it's a big book, so there's a lot to do in there, and like even the location that we were playing at, Castle Ravenloft, is enormous. So in order to keep the video to a decent length, I had to cut out a lot of the stuff that is in there. So what mm-hmm. you do see, there's a lot more, and also I I add a lot of my own stuff in there <laughs> just to keep things rolling. Oh really? I hadn't noticed. <laughs> <laughs> that's what a good dungeon master does so for sure um so yeah that's kind of all i've actually been playing i've been looking at i keep looking at a card game called spicy which i think was recommended for the spiel de yeah Yeah. and it just sounds yeah it sounds really kind of um interesting i keep i think more and more but particularly because we play quite a lot of big stuff for work um outside of that a lot of the appeal is small card like point salad or love letter and it seems to really fit into that vein yeah spicy um, is one that ever since i wrote the news story on it earlier this year i think maybe even last year i've i've been wanting to give it a go because it's exactly the kind of game that's up my street in terms of it's bluffing it's small and it looks amazing um so I, it's it definitely does, on yeah, my radar. the artwork is stunning it's incredible and it's about cats and eating peppers yeah Spicy well, yeah. Yeah. The spiciness kind of is not for me, but oh man, I really <laughs> yeah. want to try it, and I really hope that I like it. Mm. I think I really, really, really want to like this game. Yeah, I think if we try it and we like it, I'm definitely gonna get myself a, a coffee. Oh yeah, it's, same it's here. The kind of game that I once I can see other people definitely want to give it a go. So. Yeah, it's also just one of those games that it's just gonna look great on your shelf. <laughs> yeah, there, there's. So, so for folks who don't know what spicy is, it's basically you are you are ti- I think tigers or big tigers, cats in general, yeah. Um, yeah. and you are eating chili peppers in a contest, um, <laughs> as you do if you're a tiger. Yeah. Um, and the idea is that you place cards in the middle, so everyone has a hand of cards. You place cards, and they have a numerical value and a type of pepper. Mm. Um, and you have to go in ascending order, so the first person has to play between one to three, mm. but then everyone has to play above that, and they have to match the suit of pepper. Yeah. But you can lie about the card you're putting down. So if someone puts down a free chili, someone could put down 
or could say they're putting down a five chili, but it's a different suit or it's actually a one. And you can call people out. So it's similar to something like Perudo or Liar's Dice. Or um, the other card game. I can't remember what the good, the the PC name for it is. Um, oh, yeah. Like Di- Dino Dump is what um, oh, Big Potato Big released Potato it. Version, released yeah. It as, yeah. Okay, yeah. Um, poop Head. Everyone I, knows I used, yeah, poop what game what I'm talking to... about. Yeah, um, so it's similar to that. So it, I think that's basically it. There are a few yeah. variants in the box, but that is, you know, it's it's a bit like Skull or it's a bit like um, any of those games. And it's mm. a very simple premise, but it sounds like the excitement is trying to guess, you know, if your opponent is trying to bluff you and putting down a different card um so yeah i'm i'm really excited to check it out but i haven't actually played it yet because i haven't got a copy um it seems to be relatively sold out um yeah. here or there i've looked at a few places um but i might give it a whiz um on something a like whiz. tabletop simulator <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's just a turn of phrase yeah okay i'll give it a go does that that's that passes must have been not peeing is that yeah but you can say you can give it a whiz as well to, i've like... never heard that matt <laughs> okay well <laughs> maybe my whole life i've been to, i've been like oh, i'll give this a whiz and people are like Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> 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 yeah, maybe you're just referencing the band wizard who, who did the song oh i wish it could be christmas every day i think that would be preferable to the p but uh <laughs> anyway anyway um yeah let's move on to new shall Talking we because that's, that's all i've been playing about all i've been playing so what have uh, you guys been peeing out this week <laughs> this uh, <laughs> into the news <laughs> urinal yeah the news the chamber toilet. um uh, i can't oh, relate this to i can't tangent out of this so me and tell us about the D D movie I'll tell you about the D&D movie. God. What? Uh, Are you saying it like that? No, it's great. Uh, Okay. So, for those people that might not be aware, there is another Dungeons & Dragons film coming. Uh, So, obviously, you've got the classic masterpiece, Dungeons & Dragons, that came out in 2000. Uh, But they're at it again uh, with attempting to adapt D&D into a film. Uh, it was originally announced in 2015, so it's been going for a while, been through some legal issues, but now it looks like it's getting off the ground because it has uh, uh, directors, um, the people who did Game Night, uh, which I've watched, which I like. It's I watched it recently. A, it was all right. It's yeah. a surprisingly good film. Yeah, I I've seen it a couple it to times. Be a lot worse, yeah. To yeah, I think that that was the the sentiment of like, oh, like going into it thinking, oh gosh, one of these, and actually going, oh, this is actually there's some good jokes in here. Yeah, I mean, it's a shame that once again all the games included are just like, you know. I think it's all Hasbro, right? I think it was yeah. kind of sponsored by Hasbro or some kind of. There was clearly yeah. some kind of uh, product placement deal there because they're all Hasbro yeah. games, yeah. but. Well, it makes sense because yeah. this D&D film is being uh, partly produced by Hasbro along with Paramount. Um, and one of the producers behind it has done some Marvel films as well. So there's some some people with credit behind it. Uh, but now they have a potential starring actor involved, um, Chris Pine, who, as far as I know, is a good boy. Uh, he's, he certainly seems to be the favourite of a lot of people's people's favourite Chris's. I was going to say, he's one of the better Chris's, right? Yeah, like, yeah. 
Pine, I feel like Pine and Hemsworth, top tier. Yeah, Pratt, top tier. Bottom, bottom tier. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's floating about in the in the gunge at the bottom. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I mean... What, it is, Pratt? Yeah. yeah. It's in the is, name, isn't it? Yeah, he is a Pratt, but... Yeah. <laughs> I feel like Chris Pine, like, for a D&D movie, it just feels very, like, yeah. Like, yeah, okay. sure. So like, you, could, you could... Nothing against Chris Pine. <laughs> He's fine. Oh, yeah. Pine is fine. <laughs> Pratt is Pratt is nah. a Pratt, yeah. Um, but I just feel like maybe they could hire someone a bit less known to help, you know, give them a bit of a boost in terms of. But do you not think D and D needs a boost? I, th- I feel like I don't know. D and D is big enough by itself. D&D's huge, right? yeah. Like, people no, go and for, see this for film. Mains- for mainstream, I even think, mainstream, you, know, you want to get the mainstreamers. In, yeah, someone's adding. Billions of someone's like, okay, D and D is worth X number of millions. Chris Pine worth X number of millions. Yeah, yeah. And someone Equals. at Hasbro is just doing that spreadsheet. Yeah, they've got a calculator and they're do. going, okay, this this plus this equals, and it just it's just a Cha-ching. big money sign. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> ding 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 ding. <laughs> the eyes yeah, yeah, turn yeah. over to dollar signs. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, the thing is, obviously, we're aware of how big D and D is because we work in this industry. It's obviously out of it. A lot of people aren't really aware of what it is. But I figured, you know, maybe they could get some actors in, not in the starring role, uh, in the background, like they did with the original, like Jeremy Irons, uh, and have someone a bit lesser known in, like, the the starring roles. But hey, we don't know exactly what role he's going to be playing yet, um, because there's no details about his character or the story or anything like that. Um, but we just know that he's in negotiation, so it's not confirmed. Mm. I'm a um, bit more disappointed that they've gone with a white man, yeah, I mean, more so than anything. Because they could have well. gone with a woman, they could have gone with the like POC, you know, like literally just shake it up a bit. Because like the whole thing with D and D is that it's already a little bit like mm. problematic in a lot of ways, and it's 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 it can be very gatekeepy towards you know like by white men so like can you not you yeah. know open the doors a little bit by make maybe getting somebody who's not like like the typical D player necessarily yeah you know? i think particularly because this is you know they as me and they spoke about in your interview like they chat about legacy and all of that kind of thing which i think is it's kind of an excuse anyway but here there's no attachment like there's no existing books there's no exi- you know they are desperately not trying to connect this to the existing D films like here you're yeah. essentially starting fresh with a world and you can do mm-hmm. anything with it so there's really kind of no reason yeah. to be beholden to any of that stuff beyond the the general broad strokes of what D's forgotten realms look like i mean we don't know what the storyline is going to entail no. we don't know whether it's going to actually follow D law roughly or whether it's going to have its completely original story or whether it's going to do like a jumanji thing and like have characters i'm i'm thinking they're probably going to do something like that because i think if they try and present it as a full-on this is fantasy from the off i think they'll they'll probably think that's less accessible for people who aren't into D&D. So I'm thinking they're going to do a Jumanji thing where they have normal, you know, regular people and then they get thrown to the the shenanigans of D&D somehow, Mm. which, you know, 
it's it's a fine idea. Like Jumanji is a is a fun film, but I do get a bit tired of that kind of setup. Uh, I mean, the main problem is that D and D's obviously got loads of different worlds and sourcebook and things, but I don't think they're ever really the big draw to the game. Mm. Like. Well- I wonder if that that will be where they go though is they try and make them a draw because if they build this out like the Marvel Cinematic Universe I suppose and it's like yeah. okay here's your Curse of Strahd film here's your like as they did with Age of Ultron or you know they base them loosely on the existing works I think if you go with the Jumanji approach at some point you end you you find yourself similar to like the Assassin's Creed series right where that started with like oh modern times but also yeah and times. then they just got rid of but, that <laughs> but then it's like you have to but have like, someone occasionally pop into the future to be like oh remember how this whole series yeah. started it's still we're still here and no then pop back in so I think yeah unless they do something clever with it I mean I I if they did something like Die the comic book series um, by Kieran Gillen um, and Stephanie Hans like. That's a really interesting take on role playing as like a social experience, where they get stuck. It that. is like a Jumanji. <laughs> like Die is like Jumanji, but for D and D. But it's very yeah. dark, and the DM is twisted because they have been, like, they now occupy an actual world, um, kind of thing, which is a really interesting take. And I think that could be a really kind of exciting, fresh way to, of going about this and not making it generic. But oh. I suspect that they'll play it very safe and yeah. just be like, here's some dungeons, here's some dragons, here's Chris Bine in armor. You know, here's a D20 for some reason because we need to reference it. The thing is, I don't, I think is, I think even if they do it that way, I don't have a lot of hope for the success of, of that kind of approach regardless because I just think fantasy is not very in at the moment in terms of what audiences want like i feel like you know like lord of the rings kind of came along and people were like oh yeah actually fantasy can be really cool and like can do like not that fantasy wasn't good before then but just like the general mainstream public and obviously those films performed really well so then you know fantasy kind of had its time but then i think a lot of people have kind of fallen off that particular wagon at the moment obviously game of thrones but game of thrones is very much its own thing like i remember people saying game of thrones is like fantasy for people who don't like fantasy and i don't think they're going to be able to do that with D because i think they're going to try and make this very kid friendly so they're not going to have like people pushing people's eyes out of their skull (laughs) and like you know lobbing off off heads i never said who it was (laughs) You, I, you could go that way. Like again, like if they do it as they a universe, right? Way. You can, ha- you can have the AC's cartoon D and D kids on a roller coaster. Haha! Look, we're having fun. Uh, and you can also go like, okay, here's the here's the dark chapter. Yeah. Like not kind your of... dads, not your dads. D and D. Well, yeah, I guess I in I'm sure in in business person's eyes, they're like, this will be the next Star Wars. Yeah, that's what they um, want. They you know, know, like they can have the they can have the Clone Wars animation, and they can also have the Mandalorian stuff. And like, I'm sure that's where they want to take this. Is like in all because they're also making the TV series, right? So that's yeah. that's already rolling. So I would guess that at some point they'll try and cover every single base they can for for yeah. the ching. Maybe I'll be maybe I'll be proven wrong. I just think they're gonna try and play this very safe. 
be like, okay, we want as many people, bombs and seats as we can. Let's not make it too, you know, racy or whatever. So Do you think there's going to be a D&D the musical? <laughs> I hope so. I, I really yeah. hope so. <laughs> I would go. I'd be all over that. There you go. D&D film discussion. I rolled a 20. <laughs> Critical fail. <laughs> Zone uh, of truth. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it. I think it will. It will be telling, right? Who who they cast from here on in. Like, is Chris Pine, like the the big name that's getting the headlines at the moment, and then everyone else in that film is. Mm. I really know. hope Ben Kingsley hope... or Jeremy Irons is in it. <laughs> I hope Chris Pine is like like just a really small character that is like in it for about twenty seconds. Yeah, and then he gets killed off. <laughs> <laughs> No, uh, they'll they'll get Sean Bean in for that. Oh yeah. But, <laughs> okay. Yes, it it will be interesting either way. Like I, I think it's 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 been long enough where they can do right by that world, but I think it really will show going forward. Mm. As with D and D as a whole at the moment, mm. you know they can do right by it, mm. but there's got to be they? some there's got to be some no. kind of show of that. And, <laughs> yeah, the the, the, the allure of money. <laughs> yes. Um, all right. Let's move on to this next one, uh, which Chase wrote about Cthulhu Wars. Has anyone here played Cthulhu Wars? Nope. Me I don't neither. I've ever played any kind of Cthulhu related. Oh, really? Oh, wow. Wow. I'm. You've somehow avoided how? the, I don't know how. <laughs> the f- endless releases, um, including Love Lovecraft Letter, which is mm-hmm. okay. Love- it's one of the better love uh, love letters. Um, anyway, I've heard it's really good. But... Yeah, uh, Cthulhu Wars Duel um, is a two-player version of Cthulhu Wars, uh, which got a surprise announcement and I'm release shocked. at the same time. Um, so Cthulhu Wars, for those who don't know, is like a big, it's like a really big kind of strategy game where you play as the Lovecraftian monsters, um, kind of fighting over what's <laughs> left of humanity. Um, so you play as Cthulhu, you play so as... So, like, uh, reality, right? Yeah, yeah, at the moment, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's it's all a metaphor for capitalism. Yeah. Um, but yeah, C- Cthulhu Wars is a two-player version. They strip out some of the aspects of the bigger game. Um, so there there aren't humans, um, I believe. Uh, so... In the original game you could be opposed by humans um, but here they're just they're just all gone um and it's meant to be quicker it's meant to be a lot easier to play um like i say it's limited to two people whereas cthulhu wars was like this big kind of multiplayer uh game and it's out now uh, it costs about 20 quid which is a lot less than cthulhu wars which was packed with miniatures mm-hmm. um, because cthulhu wars jewel just uses cardboard standees so it feels like it's it's another one of those introductory kind of cut down versions of similar to um, Ticket to Ride New York or Pandemic Hot Zone or, you know, it's becoming a trend at the moment of, well, not everyone wants to pay a hundred pounds up front for this big box that they've never played before, but they might pay 20 quid and give it a go and see how they go from there. Mm. So I'm interested, like I would, I'd like to play Cthulhu Wars. I haven't played it myself. I have a friend who is very into it uh, and plays almost weekly. Um, and absolutely loves it. I feel like it's it's become one of those games similar to Kingdom Death Monster, where the people who are into it are really, really into it. Um, because it's this kind of like massive thing that's a hobby in its own right. 
uh, with expansions and miniatures and so on. But yeah. there we go. If you like Cthulhu Wars, Cthulhu Wars Duel is out. Uh, also from Chase, uh, a little, a few details crept out about the fourth and potentially final yeah. route expansion. Um, so that's kind of big box expansions because they've done a few smaller ones here or there. Um, so Cole Worley uh, and Patrick Lader of Lader Games uh, went on the Cardboard Herald, which is a YouTube channel, to chat about uh, well various things, but they spoke largely about route. Um, and the the indication so far is that it will introduce two new factions, uh, badgers, and a rat warlord, which sounds yes! pretty good. Look at that rat! There's a picture of, of the rat on, yeah. on the news piece, and it just looks great. So it sounds yeah, like the... Cute. Sorry, Lois. I just said it was very cute. <laughs> well, it sounds... It may it may look cute, <laughs> much like a lot of root, but it sounds kind of brutal. Um <laughs> So the Warlord will be similar to the Vagabond, it sounds like, in that there will just be one meeple. You won't have an entire army. Um, and that you will be able to essentially... You'll have an aura of influence around the Warlord because it's so kind of uh, frightening or intimidating. Because it's just this rat in armor. Um, whereas the Badgers... The Badgers have been adapted, apparently, from a turtle faction that was scrapped. Whoa! Um, oh. So they are... But they play similar to turtles in that they are slower uh, and more thoughtful is the way uh, it's been described here um Ooh. so they build roads they plan moves the round before they take effect so you're planning one turn ahead each time hmm. um later patrick later described them as more militant otters um oh, otters well, badges are more militant otters, <laughs> yes. <I believe>. yes um <laughs> otters which are included in the river folk expansion mm. um i do think so... badgers make a lot more sense than turtles yeah in turtles in a wood <laughs> mm. <laughs> um but yeah they've they've also said that uh the expansion will have kind of more uh better developed rules for just two people um because you can play with two people in normal route but it's not the optimum way to play mm. um and there'll be some kind of like tournament options um but like i said they've suggested this will be the the fourth and final uh expansion um so which is Root came out three, four years ago. Uh, it sounds like this won't be uh, out for a while. Uh, it will have a kickstart in early 2021. So mm. presumably released towards the end of next year or 2022. Mm. Um, but Lady Games also mentioned Vast Free, which they said it's not on the plate <laughs> at the moment. Um, Patrick Lader, who I think is the designer of that yeah. series, um, basically said he, he doesn't know when he'll go back to back to that series. Um, so for the moment, it'll just be the two games. Uh, they also chatted a bit about Oath uh, Chronicles of Empire and Exile, mm. which of course is the next game from Cole Worley. Um, but you can check out those details on there. But the the kind of the most interesting information, uh, like I say, was was about Root, which mm. I think that game is it feels very carefully designed the way that all the factions balance each other. That I can imagine going beyond a certain number of factions at some point just becomes so hard to balance yeah. and manage that I'm amazed they, they've even done this many factions at some point because yeah, they, they're essentially designing different games for each one or different yeah. mechanics. Um, I have yet to play Root. <gasps> you should Will play over slowly. Invite me. Yeah. Yeah, invite of course. Invite me to play. Thank you. Mm, Bye. Of course, Lonely's. <laughs> you can join our exclusive club. <laughs> and then next week I can cry about um, Matt kicking my butt. <laughs> uh, 
Well, you know, I'm sure <laughs> you. I feel like Root would be a game up your alley because it is. It's quite savage. Quite like what? it's ruthless. Oh yeah, it's um, savage. <laughs> like it's like it's... I. All I want next year, right now, is so if this Kickstarter does come out next year, I'm hoping that they provide a level where you can get a, a copy of the base game along with the expansion because I really want my own copy because out of all the games I've played this year uh, Root is definitely one of my favourites at the moment like I've just fallen in love with it so I definitely want my own copy um, so yeah Root's really good so I'm excited yeah that's cool um speaking of games which are pretty good but not quite as good as root uh yeah. there is v commandos um which is a game that came out a couple of years ago it's kind of very heavily inspired by the commandos video games um it's like a stealth action world war ii game where you control a small group of uh, commandos uh, and kind of infiltrate bases complete missions and so on it's it's really good like i enjoyed it a lot um but it's coming back to kickstarter next year with two um well with one new expansion and two updated expansions um so it will have miniatures now they're introducing those rather than the kind of cardboard tokens which are in the original game um and v commandos ghost which will be the new expansion um will include a campaign mode it will have a lone wolf mode um for solo play it seems and xp um which they haven't they've kind of said these aren't the final names um, but they've hinted at kind of there being connected missions and having uh, like greater difficulty in some tasks. Um, so kind of shaking up the original game for folks who already own it. Uh, and then there'll be, like I say, the expansions to the, the base game and the existing expansions, uh, which will introduce miniatures and like new artworks and new tiles and so on. Um, and It looks... The the cover photo that you've that has been used in the um article it, it looks a lot like um what's the name of that game the Normandy one the two uh, player Undaunted oh Undaunted Daun yeah. Undaunted yes mm. kind of has a very similar look feely about it but I, yeah yeah so it's it's fully cooperative um which is like the big right. difference from Undaunted um and it's less card driven so it's like you take your actions and you can sneak around um. And the idea is not to set off alarms, but you can set off the alarms and then everyone chases you. Um, it's it's a really good game. I reviewed it when it first came out and I had a really, really good time with it. Um, I think it, it does some really interesting things that kind of make it stand out in the... Like, it, it's not just another dungeon crawler where you move around and blast everything in your way. There's some kind of tactical options you can take uh, okay. in terms of creeping around. So, yeah, it's a it's a cool game and I'm kind of happy that it seems to be getting enough momentum to be getting new expansions and whatnot. Hmm. Uh, so that'll be on Kickstarter next year. Yeah. Uh, a quick one, <laughs> uh, which landed just just before we recorded the podcast last week, um, but we're, we're running back to it now. Uh, Alex Meehan, tell us about this Catan beer. Oof. Yeah, the Catan beer. There's some uh, drama around this. Mm. Um, so uh, initially... Uh, the beer was kind of revealed by um, it's it's both a brewery and a and a bar. So it's a bar owned by a brewery called Tool uh, Beers, I think. 
Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. and the bar itself is Bruce. It's in Copenhagen. Um, and they kind of posted on Instagram that, hey, there's this Catan beer. So the beer itself uh, has a label on it that's basically the front cover of the the game. And there's a non-alcoholic one, which is the Seafarers expansion cover. Uh, no details as to like what it tastes like or... Uh, you know, it's various notes and tones. Uh, but um, it's in, at the moment, it's only really available at the actual bar itself. Why are you laughing? I just saw that one of the hashtags they used on the Instagram post is hashtag craft beer porn. Yeah. <laughs> right, okay. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, so you, uh, at the moment, you can't... That's really tickled you. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's just like amongst the rest of them are all like fairly normal, straightforward hashtags. Yeah, mm. oh, sorry, go on. Um, <laughs> don't worry, I'll be quick. Uh, yeah, you can you can get it from. I think at the moment you can only really get it from the bar itself. Um, but they have hinted that it's going to be available on the Tool Beer online shop. Uh, however, soon after that story went out, we received an email informing us that the beer is not an official beer. Uh, it's not been uh, licensed out to Tool Beer, uh, the, the, you know, being able to use Catan and the artwork. Uh, so where was the email from specifically, Matt? Yeah, so it was from a Catan studio representative, so okay. the, the publisher of Catan, and they, they said, yeah... Uh, Tilbeer, allegedly, according to Catan Studio, used the board game's art and logo without our knowledge or permission. Mm. Um, and that's that's all they've said Oof. for the moment. Um, but that presumably means that that beer may be very short-lived. Um, yeah. Because the way it was presented seemed yeah. to be all of it. Like, they tagged in the settlers yeah. of yeah. Catan Studio. They were like, hey, look, we've made this Catan beer. Here's the here's the art. Like, great job, Catan Studio. And it's like, oh, no. It looks <laughs> awful. I'm sorry, but that's like... They, the the labeling and everything mm. is just really ugly. Well, like taste half half the can is showing, um, just like the the silver of the can. The, it looks like they just printed it on paper and stuck it on with glue. Um, yeah, and it's it's just called Katam the beer. Yeah. the beer. <laughs> don't trade, build, drink. <laughs> yeah. Which like I mean, I don't know. Obviously, we'll I guess we might find out how Katan really feels about that because like. I don't know. Do they support drinking? I don't know. I mean, there's wheat in the game. You can make beer with that. Mm. <laughs> what yeah. else are you going to do in the lonely nights in your settlement? <laughs> yeah, you got to do know. something with I all that like wheat. They could have made that look so much better, though. Like, it looks... It yeah. just doesn't look good. Mm. It's a bit baffling, to be honest, why they've decided... Obviously, Catan is a big name. Why tag them then as well? Yeah, you're... yeah it's a little <laughs> bit like... Surely you're going to find out. Yeah, maybe yeah. you could have gone about this a bit better like maybe i mean because the thing is i don't think they're going to get a huge amount of like new customers by putting this out really because it's not like it's a major label of beer so i think especially with the shipping i think it's not going to be a huge draw for people to be like oh i like tall beer now like they've obviously got their own dedicated followers already so I kind of feel like if they wanted to do a tabletop themed beer, they could have reached out 
I mean, they're in Copenhagen. Like, Europe is a, a hotbed of designers. They could have reached out to a more local publisher mm. and gone, oh, can we do a beer themed on one of your games, mm-hmm. please? Or just inspired, right? Like, there there are no shortage of beers or foods where yeah. they, they're like a play on well-known films or whatever it may get be. Get away with it. Like... But, like, straight up using the box art and calling <laughs> yeah. it Catan the Beer is... Also... What version of Catan are they using in this picture? Because it's like mountains or something, which I've, I'm not familiar with. I, sh- I just, uh, I guess it might just be the second edition or the when it was renamed to Catan rather than Settlers of Catan. I don't know. Yeah. No, no, no. It's no. It's got like mount, like mountains. Oh. Or some is that not mountains? Anyway, I'm not. I'm not an expert on Catan artwork. <laughs> uh, you know, but. Hey, you, oh no! I'm uh, talking about the playing pieces. Sorry, there's oh, like uh, the the beers are on a board and they've got like oh weird okay. like mountain pieces. No clue. I, <laughs> I just feel like they've gone about this all the wrong way, really. So it, yeah, it doesn't good sound luck like to it's going to end well. Legal battles. Um, yeah. So yeah, if you uh, if you want a Catan beer that's not official uh, and you know. Not go, licensed or connected to, to Catan at all. You might want to. You might want to move fast, but we have no idea what it tastes like. Uh, and yeah, there we go. Um, I mean, I think the thing is, like, it wouldn't be out of the realm of possibility either, because there's Catan shoes on the way. Oh, yeah. and there's all sorts of merchandise out there. So a beer would be like, yeah, sure. Like, I can see a Catan beer coming out. Um, but this is this ain't the way. Uh, as a quick final one uh, from today. Uh, which was something that Michael Wheels Wheel inspired uh, and passed on to me, and I thought was very amusing. There is a variant of Scrabble, um, which someone has designed, uh, and you can play it for free online if you've got a normal Scrabble set. It's called Blabrex, um, <laughs> which is an anagram of Scrabble. Um, but it it replaces the normal Scrabble dictionary with gibberish so you you have to type in gibberish and then it uses an ai to determine whether the word you've typed in is real enough so basically you're trying to trick an ai into thinking that complete gobbledygook is a real word um because it's uh the the creator of this so it's created by an artificial intelligence researcher uh, and game designer uh, max kraminski um and they have designed it to Use an AI, they've analysed English language words and certain patterns of letters and then plug this into this AI and the AI will look at the stuff you type in and go, yeah, I could believe that's a real word and <laughs> only those words will be allowed. So you're not allowed existing words from the dictionary. You can't just type in like a random string of letters. It has to be believable enough according to this AI to score you points. Mm. Um, and as another extra rule on top of that, once you've input a word and it's accepted you can add a meaning to it and at the end of the game whoever has come up with the best meaning for one of your fake words scores half of that word's points again as a little bonus it seems brilliant i've i was playing around with it this morning while i was writing the story um just to kind of see what could trick it um and yeah so like durse breaker uh, as i was trying to play around with dice breaker that that works as a word. That's believable <laughs> enough. Mm. Um, there's it sounds like they're saying dicebreaker with a certain accent. Though. Yeah, for, <laughs> fern, nernia, bloke, but B L O A K E, and indied. Uh, they all worked. So it's. I think it it does a really good job of just 
going like almost making you double guess and go like i i can believe that Ooh. like the kind of words that you spit out while playing normal scrabble and ha- have to have someone check in a dictionary because it sounds just believable enough um but yeah i think it's it's a really fun kind of invention um so kraminski created it for proc jam um which is a game jam about making something that makes something uh so in this case words uh and they've said that they might update it in the future to have different kind of like opponents based on different ways of analyzing words um but for now you can you can just head over um so you can find kraminski uh, on twitter or you can find our story um it's on github you can just access it for free stick in the words you want whether you're playing scrabble or just playing around with it um but it's really good fun so cool. yeah might kind of refresh your scrabble playing experience a bit <laughs> yeah spice it up yeah spicy all right let's move on to emails, emails. if you've got an email for the dicebreaker podcast you can reach us at podcast at dicebreaker.com you can find us on Twitter at join dicebreaking. You can find us at dicebreaker.com. You can find us all over the internet. Uh, Lowlies, would you like to read this one from Chris? Is this from Chris Pine or Chris? Pine? <laughs> uh, can't confirm where in the tier of Chris this Chris falls, but we assume it's somewhere near the top. Okay. Hey, Dicebreakers. Here's a question for the podcast. My favorite game for a long time has been Netrunner. However, not. However, now that my gaming partners are more limited due to COVID, I've been wanting to play something like it that has a lower barrier for uh, to entry for new players. I really like the idea of an asynchronous attack-defend card-based game that has a strong element of bluffing. However, I'm looking for something that plays in closer to 20 to 30 minutes and doesn't require you to build a deck beforehand. Any suggestion? Oh, wow. Love the show. Very specific it's requirements Chris. there. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's very specific, and I won't hit all of them. But Star Elves, <laughs> take that bingo box. Yeah, <laughs> it's um. I mean, if if you don't know what it is by now, you should. But I will tell you anyway. It's a two-player card-based game where it's not it's not really it is kind of asynchronous would it be because you build separate decks but you're building it within the game rather than before the game um it's a deck building game and it plays about 15 to 30 minutes i reckon depending on how quickly you can kill the other person with your massive lovely tanks We've mentioned Undaunt- uh, Undaunted already, but I would throw that in the ring here. Because uh, particularly Undaunted North Africa, um, which I think is the better of the two games. Normandy is still brilliant, um, but it's much more asynchronous. Uh, and it is another deck builder, so you're using your deck during the game. Uh, you don't have to build it beforehand. Um, but it has just elements of strategy. And Lodies, are you... Star Realms is better. Oh! <laughs> I wow. I like Star Realms. I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not gonna have a go at Star Realms, but I really like Undaunted. Um, no, Undaunted is very good. Yeah, it's I agree. it's a really a really interesting design. It does something fresh with this kind of deck building, um, in the way it combines it with like the on the board strategy tactical stuff. Um, yeah, I think that would that would be my recommendation. There's not loads of bluffing in there, but I think because you're being tactical on the map, mm. there's enough of a kind of element of trying to outguess your opponent that. I think would would put it in the right category for you. It's great. Mm. 
I'm not an expert with these types of games. Like I've not played Netrunner. I know of it. Um, so, uh, you know, I'm probably not the best person to come to for these kind of suggestions, but I guess the closest thing I can think of is probably Keyforge. Like it's, you know, a two player card game. You don't have to make a deck beforehand. I suppose how dramatically different each person's deck is not technically asynchronous, but like, you know, you definitely have access to different strategies there. Um, I know you can pick up a starter set fairly easily um, and it's pretty accessible because, like I said, don't have to build your deck. It's already there for you. The game instructions explain things fairly well for you and because it hasn't been going for too long, it's not like magic where there's like a billion different, you know, mechanics and, and powers involved. Like it's not been going so long that it's uh, suffering from the, the bulk. Like it's got a few new things in there, but nothing that's too overwhelming. So yeah, maybe give Keyforge a go. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, thank you, Chris. Uh, Mian, would you like to read this one from Arangifal? Uh, oh. friend, of, friend of the site and yeah. of the community. They are, indeed. Hi, Dicebreaker team. I'm new to tabletop gaming and I've been playing modern games that you've all suggested over the last year, such as Wingspan, Point Yay. Salad, Root, etc. Et <laughs> uh, every so often, an article will appear on Dicebreaker about a reissue of an older award-winning game. I wonder if I should buy a copy to expand my gaming background. As a fan of movies and video games, I know that sometimes nostalgia can make revisiting older titles fun for previous players than new players. But I also wonder if I should be seeking out these older titles to have a more balanced knowledge of the hobby. Uh, are there older games that are worth uh, picking up for new players or have modern releases uh, that have incorporated much of what made those award-winning titles from decades past so groundbreaking at the time. Hope you are all staying safe and healthy. Best wishes and warm regards. Orangeful. Aww. Mm, thanks for your question. Hmm. Uh, let's see. Older games. Hmm. I think it really depends. There's so many. Like, I mean, if you're talking about like games like Camel Up, that's like an award-winning game that's a couple of years old. Um, like I would say, yeah, pick that up. But it also depends. Um, on a lot of the, it depends on the game mostly. Like, are you gonna actually play it? Like Camel Up in this example plays best when you have like more players. Like I would say, I don't know, four up would probably be best to play with Camel Up. Like ideally, um, it it. You kind of have to take it game by by game by game. I reckon, mm. like I think Catan, Catan's probably won awards, right? Like that's great, but some people not that into Catan. Um, or you know, there is, is there other games like Catan that have been released since that are better? Probably. Uh, yeah, I guess it depends how like granular you get with some of that stuff. I think with with something like Camelop as well the newer edition is the one i would recommend for most people i think it does improve on the first one but there mm. are certain games i've actually games not played where... the newer version yeah it's really good um because it adds the camels running backwards so they can yeah, carry stuff backwards the black and white it's really ones, fun. right yeah. yeah so i think in that case that's an edition that is better 
but there are ones where a new edition comes out and it's not quite as good as the original in terms of mm-hmm. component quality or they've changed the rules a little bit but i think yeah lodi's you're you're right in that it's hard to make a broad sweeping statement because like it it comes down to the game there are games that i would recommend from the 80s and 90s that i think are like timeless um cosmic but... encounter yeah exactly right yeah like, cosmic encounter is still great oh no yeah yeah well, like uh Tigris, Tigris and Euphrates, like I think, is incredible. Um, like Ye- Yellow and Yangtze is like a spiritual successor to Tigris and Euphrates, but I think I'd still recommend going back to the original because it's a different experience. But I think there are there are examples of games where, like Dominion, Dominion when it came out, deck building was the yeah right it's like De- De- lolis is making Why a thumbs down for those listings sit here and defend Dom- dominion hold on dominion's perfectly okay dominion is like a deck builder at its very basic which made sense at the time because it was the first deck builder game but now i would say there are so many better deck builders that add things to that like really clever core really? concept which in dominion was good and at the you know when there was nothing else it was brilliant but now there are so many better deck builders that take that idea and take it in way more interesting directions. I would I wouldn't play I'd rather Dominion. with Dominion. I would mostly agree with you, but I would also say, as someone who has played Dominion as one of the first like proper board games they'd ever played, I think it's a really good stepping off point for people who are newer to the hobby because it is very straightforward. Like... I did a, uh, an article on deck building games and like where you should start and where you should move on to and Dominion is perfectly fine like for that purpose. Like if you want to start from the very beginning then try Dominion but yeah there are loads of other deck building games out there that are also really good and do a lot more but you've got to respect but- the fact that it had to start somewhere <laughs> but we're specifically talking about games to add to your collection right and i think whilst yeah you can go off and play dominion as an early game i wouldn't bother buying it like and add it to your collection because i yeah. don't think you'll and i think like it's unlikely you'll end up playing it lots after when you've discovered the next steps i mean it's the kind of game that i play with people who are new to the hobby like so if you do have friends who also don't play a lot of board games then you're going to get a lot of mileage out of it for that reason. And there are obviously expansions. But yeah, I can see you grinning and smirking. It's fine. Don't play Dominion. Play something else like Clank. Like Star Realms. Or or Star Realms. (laughs) Or, or, you know, there are plenty of other deck builders out there. Toy Story game with the bad name. Toy Story Obstacles and Challenges. It's called something like that. It's yeah. it's similar to You've Harry Potter. Got very Hogwarts small kids. I would recommend that. But hey, those games are good. like they're a really good way of learning deck builders because they layer in things one at a time. Um, and yeah, I would recommend right. the Toy Story one over Harry Potter for reasons. Yeah. But yeah, I think you're right in that. Like Dominion, because Dominion is so basic. Like it is. It's not a bad jumping off point for that. Yeah. Um, but I think it's worth doing the research because if there's something that is that like one step above and you can only buy a game you know you might have played something that's already got some elements in so i think going back is harder because you will find things that are that seem very basic or you know ha- like games now draw from all of the games that have come beforehand mm. 
So going yeah. backwards is a lot harder than going forward at some point. The thing mm. is, like, board games and tabletop gaming in general has been around for a, a decent amount of time, but compared to, like, movies or music or something like that, why are you smirking? <laughs> it's concerning I'm just me. Agreeing. <laughs> I'm just worried. With my face. I, I said something silly. But, um, like, obviously, because they've been around for a lot less time, they've, they've, they've moved a lot faster as a medium. So, like, if you go back to something released, like, only 30 years ago or something, which, in the grand scheme of things, isn't a huge amount of time, it's going to be significantly, like, you know backwards or, or less developed than what you would find today because it's just the medium is just moved so fast and developed so quickly uh, that you don't necessarily need to play an older game just because you feel like you need to you know educate yourself um, because a lot of those older games aren't that good like mm. we often talk in terms of modern releases and by modern we usually mean like around like noughties like onwards i think like i i would consider anything before then to be you know old in terms of board games well i'm just saying <laughs> the modern era begins from i'm then before onwards. the noughties That's, so am i <laughs> <laughs> but um like i just think definitely look on some lists like we've got loads of them on the website mm. and we often mention games that are like what we would consider like foundations of of modern board gaming and like i know i played a lot of those when i joined icebreaker to try and fill in some of the gaps that i considered i had in my in my knowledge so so like root and scythe you know those games that like everyone always mentions whenever they talk about the best board games of all time which is a very subjective yeah. thing but there are still ones that come up again and again but don't let that like limit you in terms of what you want to buy especially mm. buy the games that you think you'll like because it's an investment but yeah. some of those games might be you know those heavy hitters that people always bring up yeah i think it's also worth saying that a lot of the older games as well by the nature of the board game industry they'll be expensive or hard to find because yeah. many of them will be out of print and i think that's where new new additions can be good at finding new versions of those but often if you yeah. like me and say like if you like certain games there is n there's no shortage of modern versions and a large number of them will be good so mm. there's not necessarily a need to go backwards unless you are you know like you're saying unless you have this real desire to be like i want to see how this was originally but you probably don't need to buy a copy for that you can go to a board game cafe when they're or, open or, again yeah or, or tts or something like that yeah probably on now something like that but um yeah yeah, play the things you want to play. Enjoy the things you want to enjoy, even if it's Dominion. Oh. <laughs> no. There's nothing that wrong with Dominion. Being victimised here. It's fine. <laughs> like, Dominion's fine. Uh, okay, uh, I'll read this one from Andrew. Uh, wanting to start painting minis as a hobby and was wondering if the painting kits that include a minifigure are a good way to go about it, or is it better to buy paint and minis individually? Any you recommend? Thanks, Andrew. 
So uh, <laughs> I got nothing for you, Angie. Yeah. I've never got one of those kids. and I are probably the worst people to have on the podcast in terms of this. Because you've both painted. You yeah, can both but... paint very well. And... Yeah, but it, I get them separately. I've never gotten them a kit. What? And... Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that that speaks to it, right? It's like I'm I'm the same. Like I've always picked up the miniatures that I'm interested in first, and then found paints afterwards. And I think with yeah. miniatures, you're investing a lot of time into painting them that you should, you know, if if you are in a position to be able to get the get the miniatures you want to first, because you'll want to look at them and keep them and spend a lot of time on them, rather than yeah. being like, oh well, I got this one with a set of paints, so I guess I'll paint it. Yeah. Don't. Bit... There's probably. Sorry, go on. Don't just get the kit that has generic soldier number one in it, um, just because it comes with the paints. Yeah, I definitely agree with Matt. Definitely get something that you want to look at and you really like, and then you'll be excited about painting it. I think there's probably like two schools of thinking here, right? There is the, what's the price difference, first of all? Mm. If you're just starting out and you like, the thing is, you're probably going to mess up a little bit at the beginning. Like, do you want to go with one of these kits if it's cheaper um and then not be as worried about messing things up or whatever um that could be an option because also the, the paints that you get in the kit i assume will last you past that so later on you can just add to that collection that you got in the initial kit and then buy a mini that you really want like i don't know i i feel like if i was starting out i probably would start with a kit um because also like i think i like i mean i did when we first uh, the first uh time i started painting was on stream with the with the guys and um i just kind of followed along actually was that a kit i just tried to follow along kind of what the color scheme was like on the box of of the Mm. thing that i was painting Mm. Uh, whereas like now i just do whatever i want depending on what paints i have and depending on what i think like might work um so i i guess you can build it up right um i I've never used one of those kits, but I probably would lean towards getting a kit at the beginning. But also, I don't really know. Like, the Johnny and Wheels would probably have more to say about those things. Um, mm. I don't know if they've ever tried those kits or mm. if they are familiar with them. I think if it's something like Warhammer as well, like, you might want to get your eye in with just, like, you maybe want a generic Space Marine. If you know you're going to collect Space Marines at some point, you know, paint a couple of, like, very basic Ultramarines before moving on to like a a detailed kind of character or so on so i could yeah i can definitely see that argument i think with with games that aren't as big as warhammer because warhammer has such a huge selection and they have citadel paints that it's quite easy to find kits with you know the faction you want to collect but outside of that you know i don't think there's anything wrong with just getting what you want to get in terms of brands i think are you do you use Vallejo Lolis? No, but I think both of the guys do, or at least yeah. Wheels does, I think, and he like they swear by it by the Vallejo ones. Yeah. Uh I've used Army Painter and always liked Army Painter stuff. It's it's good for the money it costs. Like it's not the most expensive in the world. Um but it's also not the cheapest in the world, and I think it's good quality for what it is. Um of course there's Citadel, which makes it easier to follow along those guides because a lot of the guides you'll find will go to Citadel as a kind of standard um mm-hmm. but there are plenty of charts out there where you can find matching colors um but i think yeah like at the end of the day like it's it's whatever you want to paint i don't think there's a massive difference in getting a kit like if it saves you a bit of searching and gets you started like that's the main thing like go with whatever you're going to enjoy most um yeah yeah 
Alex Mian, what paints do you use? Because you've painted a few things on stream as well. <laughs> We've talked about this in the past. I use a bunch of Citadel paints I took from the office. Oh, there you go. Okay, yeah. So you're on Citadel. Will's at least is on Vallejo. I've yeah. used Army Painter. So they're all, you know, yeah. at some point they're all much of a muchness. Go with what suits your budget. As I think those are the three you, main brands. So, as long as you properly close the lids, they're great. <laughs> oh gosh! <laughs> yeah, properly close the lids, please. Otherwise, you end up like me, and they're like solid lumps. Yep, I've got one. Uh, it's annoying because I've got one yellow color, and it's the one color that's that where that's happened to. Uh, so like every time I want to use yellow, I'm like just trying to scrape. Just cracking through the top, <laughs> spooning it out like, like a teaspoon. Yeah, it's hard. It's not a good time. Yeah, but yeah, there there are a lot of starter sets out there. I think um, we have we may have a guide on the site um, about where to pick some of that stuff up for Warhammer. Um, but that applies to kind of every miniatures game. Hmm. So yeah, um, all right. I think that's about all we have time for this week. But before we leave you, lowlies from the video team, what's coming up on <laughs> YouTube.com/slash Dicebreaker? I'll tell you now, Matt Jarvis. Please do. There's right not much now. more of this podcast we can write. Um, no, I mean, I've literally got it here. <laughs> so uh, by the time this podcast will have gone out on, on Wednesday, you'll have maybe seen, or if you haven't, you should go back and watch it, uh, the let's the part one of the Strad on Roll20 uh, Let's Play that, that um, me and Matt were talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, hosted by our very own me in here. Uh, on Thursday, we'll have played some... Uh, according to the schedule christmas games uh christmas party games christmas um, party oh how delectable christmas party. <laughs> yeah so um similar to last year we're planning to just get some fun easy games on the go and all of us just have have a silly old christmasy time hmm. um tomorrow is the last episode of dungeon breaker for this arc um, and we might have a little <gasps> little surprise extra actually for I won't say too much on that. And uh, on Sunday, hopefully there'll be a list on the best Christmas games by our own uh, Michael Whelan. Yeah, Michael Whelan has um, been in the list mines. He has. He has actually literally been in the list mines, just hacking away at what yep. he can. Taking up those um, recommendations. And part two for uh, the Strad playthrough will be will be out uh, next Wednesday. So if you've watched the first episode uh, this week, you can watch the second episode yeah. next Wednesday. Why wouldn't you? You want to finish the story. Mm. Well, I would hope so. Yeah. <laughs> See what shenanigans. Unless you're too scared by <laughs> yeah. right. Don't be a wimp. All right. <laughs> uh, over on dicebreak.com, uh, we have up, it went up today actually, but you can obviously still read it by the time you listen to this. We have a piece looking at the James Bond <gasps> role playing game uh, from the early 80s, which is a really da, interesting da, read. Da, da. Um, because despite being just a kind of spin off of the films, uh, it actually introduced some kind of quite innovative ideas at the time, given that it landed like less than a decade after D&D. Uh, and you also get to look at the hilarious artwork that they produced. <laughs> Um, for the individual supplements which were based on the films but couldn't get oh. the likenesses of the actors so it's just kind of like slightly generic like slightly Roger Moore-ish looking James Bond um, but it's a yeah it's a very interesting read I didn't know about it um, until uh, it was a piece that came our way so it's a fun read uh, we also have a list up uh, from Reed Conley of the best Catan expansions kind of broken down by how you like to play Catan because um, there's been a lot of Catan chat this episode mm-hmm. uh, and coming up 
uh, not this week, and potentially, potentially, yeah, it should be next week and the week afterwards. Uh, we will have the start of our game of the year celebrations. Um, we will have lists, obviously, from the team or kind of chatting about the games they've enjoyed most this year. Uh, I believe we'll have some video uh, on that as well. You may even have a special podcast, which we may or may not be recording straight after this, um, but we'll go up later. Um, and then we have some special guests and friends on the site as well who have kind of kindly taken the time to let us know what they've been playing and enjoying this year. So you can expect that throughout the Christmas holidays. Exciting stuff. Mm, yeah, there's been some really interesting picks in a year where board games uh, and tabletop games have been particularly hard to play with each other, and mm. many of them have, have been delayed into 2021. Um, I don't think there's been a shortage of interesting games, uh, mm. despite all the challenges. Mm. But, yeah, you're right. Yeah, we will, well, we'll see you in there, but we'll also maybe see you back next Friday, potentially. If not, we'll be back at some point on the Dicebreaker podcast. We may take a little break for the holidays. Um, we're going to see how busy we are. But until then, we hope you have uh, a lovely holidays, uh, a safe new year. Uh, take care of yourselves. Take care of your loved ones. Thank mm. you for being here, Alex Meehan. Yeah, it's been great. <laughs> Thank you for being here, Alex Lowlies. Christmas cake. Uh, I've been Matt Jarvis. Thank you for listening. Uh, until we meet again, have a lovely day. Bye. 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 Happy holidays. Bye.